<clears throat> Hello. Ah, my back hurts today. Ah, uh, just reminding myself today that uh, before long I'm going to be in some sort of hover-based contraption most of the time. Got a bad back. Got a bad hip. Got the bad legs, which some of you might know about, all of which is going to, it's going to add up to me being a hilarious gentleman tooling about in a, some sort of device. I would like it to actually hover. So the year 2020, I would hope by the time I need it, that it would actually hover, but I'm not, I've, I'm done holding out on anything cool happening. At least not sci-fi cool, of course. Plenty of cool stuff will happen in the Sean Moorhead cool zone, uh, vernacular, as in the kind of things you'd like to read about in a history book after it happens, but not experience. <sighs> How's everybody doing? Uh, very nice out. Very nice today. So that's been nice. The summer's going to get hor horrible, but I'm, uh, I'm preparing for it mentally. I'm girding my loins to just bake quietly. Although the debungler today, hilariously, the debungler, they're talking about how, you know, people are going to the beaches. And he said, don't go to the beaches. Now, if you want to sit there with a chair or something, that's okay. But if it starts to look like a beach, well then, no. Hi, Lana. Always good to see you in the chat. Uh, he said... Go at the beach, but just not in too many of you. Whoa. How? That's not a thing. That's not an answer. That's not a, that's not a solution to the issue. That's, that's just throwing up your hands and being, oh, shit, we can't stop them from going to the beach, but we have to look like we care at all about transmission of this thing. So we're just going to let you decide how many people are too many people at the beach, at which point we're just going to send the cops in to arrest everybody, I guess, or drive them off with fire hoses. Apparently, the Atlantic City beaches are completely packed. And you know what? I just don't know what we're waiting for anymore. We have really... We fucked the dog on this so bad, it feels like people don't want to really accept how badly we fucked it. All these people who are yelling at everyone to stay home, it really does feel like they basically don't get how fucked this was. Like, the people who are, who are mad at you for, for, for going outdoors, I mean, obviously, most of those people are absolute hogs who are just so vapid that they can't imagine life without fucking fast casual eateries. But the, the fact remains is that there's no solution to this issue. There is nothing that's going to happen other than them just shrugging their shoulders and sending everybody out. And no amount of, like, insisting that you're staying in is going to change that. You can stay in if you want, but you're going to be a smaller and smaller group of people who are going to have the privilege of being able to do so. Everyone else is going to have to get out. Yeah, people seem to not really have absorbed the reality of the Cheeto in the White House and just the absolute threadbare nature of America's medical infrastructure. I mean, at the exact moment that more people need access to health care than any in American history, uh, a concomitant result of that is that tens of millions of people lose health insurance and access to uh, uh, health when they need it. For the, for the safety of the, the, the entire country. It's like a Rube Goldberg machine designed to kick you in the balls. 
I do love that Sweden just decided to allow everyone to die, and I really think it's because they're Swedish and they've been all been kind of waiting for that, and begging and secretly praying. And now, oh, thank God, this thing. I either live, which fine, or I die, which thank God. Thank God. Yeah, they call it winning the lottery when you get the, the COVID and die of it in, uh, in Sweden. When you, when you go, when someone says, hey, uh, hey, how's your, how's your grandpa? They go, yeah, they had the COVID. And they're like, oh, yeah? And she goes, yeah, he made it. Oh, that's too bad for him. I'm sorry. Maybe next time. I'm having a weird, uh, weird new seltzer. Now there's a million seltzers these days. I don't understand. It's a perfect example of just, this isn't, at this point, considering the, that they all taste exactly the same, the, 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 the branding uh, advantage is basically nil. What the hell are you getting out of having this on the shelves? What part of Scandinavia? I don't actually know. I, I don't think there's... I think... I don't know. I, I only did the 23andMe once for an episode we never ended up doing about genetics and shit. And it said Northern Europe. I don't know. It was pretty... It was pretty... It wasn't very specific. I think Denmark. I don't know. track jacket. Someone wants to see the track jacket. I can put it on. It's over there. People really want to see it. I can show it to them. I'll put the track jacket on in a minute. Ah. Uh. Someone wants me to stop staring at you. I can't. I can't. I'm looking at the questions. Guys, it has, it's been a bit since someone asked me to post feet. And I got to say, you people are lucky that I've uh, stopped getting so hammered on these. Because now there's basically no chance it's ever going to happen. And you should be fucking thankful. Because you do not want to see it. I keep telling you that and you just do not, you just refuse to believe me. But trust me, it's true. Oh, God, the cider boom. That was before... The cider boom was the last big, like, alcoholic beverage craze before the seltzers. And it's all the same thing. It's, it's, it's a less beery alternative to beer. It's about the same alcohol content as beer, but that does not have that beery taste, which a lot of... Uh, I mean, they think they generally consider to be women, but plenty of men don't like. And so... Cider was the answer. For a while, there were, there were 7 million ciders... And now I think a lot of that energy has moved to the seltzers. I think because people realize the seltzer is too sweet. There's, it's too sweet and they realize, oh, I'm, I'm going to get AIDS. Or not AIDS. I'm going to get uh, uh, diabetes from this. Uh, no, thank you. Because at, at some, you need to get stuff for people once they reach a point of realization of their mortality. 
And that's where you go from cider, which is good for like 22-year-olds, to seltzer, which is good for 32-year-olds. But cider was what uh, the pioneers drank, much, much more so than beer. Beer didn't show up until the German immigrants in the mid-1900s. I mean, not in large numbers anyway, in large amounts. It was, uh, it was all fucking cider, alcoholic cider. And whiskey, of course. And so much of it. Just so shit-faced. 19th century people were insanely hammered. Because most of them, the amount of work they did in a day was just walk behind a donkey. So it didn't require a lot of hand-eye coordination. And it's boring as shit, so it helped to be drunk. And, of course, water was not very uh, reliable or pure, so having fermented was a way to guarantee that it had a certain degree of, uh, of sterility. Ale was big in, in the UK, but in in, uh, uh, in in New England anyway, it was cider because that's it wasn't really they never really were able able to establish large scale agriculture in New England because of its uh, relatively inhospitable soil. So there wasn't really room in New England to make to to brew to get the, the even the requisite wheat for beer, whereas there were plenty of apples apple trees. So boom, squeeze those motherfuckers, get some get shit faced. Yeah, there's a reason that the three American cities most associated with uh, with beer and where the big brewing traditions are, Milwaukee, Cincinnati, and uh, St. Louis, form the three points of the German triangle of uh, immigration where in the mid-19th century, especially after 48, and up, into, up till the turn of the century, uh, German immigrants came. Mostly from Bavaria, but uh, other places as well. Right there. There's Milwaukee up there. Here's uh, Cincinnati. There's St. Louis. Uh, yeah, Pier 1 Imports closed today. I mean, people have been talking about the death of retail for a while. I mean, those kind of things... This is the kind of situation where you have... If you have a wheezing, dying creature, this is the moment when... You put the bullet in the head, or someone puts a bullet in its head, or something, where it's just, it's too much for it to bear. And uh, it's hard not to see this as a potential domino effect. Especially since I was seeing today that, oh, look at this. Uh, a huge percentage of the, uh, of the retail real estate market in this country is undergirded by fraudulent mortgages. That were based on uh, false and manipulated profit statements and projections. Oh no, when has that ever happened before? False information propping up a mortgage, uh, which are then sold and resold? No. <coughs> I mean, that's why, like I said, that's why a while ago, that's why SoftBank fucking uh, bailed out, did, did a private sector bailout of WeWork, was to keep the retail sector, retail rental uh, retail real estate economy afloat and now you had an undergirding we have a realization that there's an undergirding unviability there that was un overlooked just like it was in the house in the uh, housing sector with this massive massive collapse in, in demand and, and in uh, or in uh, and in profits I don't know I don't know how you come back from that quickly or easily it's gonna all get very cool very quickly that's the one thing I know I mean, the good news is, is that that bubble bursts. Hey, that's a lot of unclaimed real estate that could be used to, I don't know, house people. That would be crazy. Who would imagine housing people in a city where 25% of luxury apartments are fucking unsold and sit there? or and, and, and a huge chunk of the rest are not the primary residents of the person who owns them or any residents at all are just used as a place to sink money. That was where capital fled as, 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 as other sources of investment dried up and became less profitable. The safe money over the last 20 years 
has been urban real estate. And so that's where they put all the cash. And so these places are just sitting there empty. They're, they just built this monstrous, I think it's the tallest building in Manhattan now, apartment cube. It looks like a huge Lego block. It looks like the long Tetris block. And I don't know how many people are supposed to ever, who would ever live in there in any one moment, are actually sleeping there besides like staff members. Because I'm sure it's got its own concierge service and fucking army of, uh, of maintenance people. But in terms of actual people who have owned those build those apartments, how many you got a couple dozen? Some kids hanging out like some Saudi fail son is just playing Fortnite for real with like homeless people that they abducted and, and put microchips in their brain. So there's this insane amount in every urban area of this speculative real estate that has never been, was never even supposed to be lived in, which is monstrously, terrifyingly distorting and awful in a place where there's limited space. And therefore, if you take a bunch of real estate off the market for any possible use by people, you wildly reduce the amount of actual available uh, living space the city has. It's happened to every fucking place. Every, every city where there's been any kind of real estate boom. So those places, good news is, just fucking take those motherfuckers over. Just crack them open and just go in. And then, oh, look, people can live here. That's great. Done. What are they going to do about it? I do think that uh, if the U.S. collapsed, yes, the Middle East, the Midwest, which yes is sort of the Balkans of uh, uh, of America, I think if it ever became part of one coherent political block, so a lot of people say that would be like Tito's Yugoslavia. I honestly think that would be optimistic for the Midwest. I think the Holy Roman Empire much more accurate. Ugh. Yeah, the Midwest would be the Holy Roman Empire, and then uh, and then the New England and like the, the Mid Atlantic, all those scary coastal people. That's that's the Ottomans. Oh, thank you for saying I look cute. I know that I look very uh, bedraggled. The problem with the Midwest is that people are going to come for that water. They're already trying to come for it. There's the, the Great Lakes Compact which was done because people, fucking governors from Arizona and shit were, were asking after Midwest, uh, late, uh, Great Lakes water. And they're not gonna, they're not gonna not come knocking. So that's gonna, that would maybe, uh, force it to be more politically coherent, maybe. So it could be a, uh, it would be able to withstand the pressure from outside to get that water, to get those pipes in there to keep Phoenix from just drying up and blowing away in Las Vegas. Yeah, everyone must swear to give their life to defend the Great Lakes if it comes to that. Not allow fucking Albuquerque motherfuckers to get our water.
Venice, yeah, I Manhattan I could definitely see being like Venice, i.e. halfway underwater and an independent uh, uh, trade empire. Yeah, you could do you could do like a heavy-handed thing, like a medieval retelling, like a like retelling a medieval tale in a post-collapse America. New York City would be v the Venetians. Uh, yeah, New York City is the Venetians. Uh, yeah, Midwest is still the, uh, the Midwest would still be the, um, uh, Holy Roman Empire, and maybe New England would be the Ottoman Empire. See, people say, well, uh, America will maintain its structure because it'll just get hollowed out. That's true. That, I think that's what would happen if there was any give left in the institutions. The problem is, is that it's just too fucking brittle. There's no way to change anything. There's no way to accommodate change using the Constitution. And of course, that's been fine for the most part because people in charge want it that way. They want procedural roadblocks to any kind of uh, uh, reform through the political process. So they love that fact. But in moments of significant crisis, those that brittleness gets put under pressure and then it breaks up. Uh, somebody asked what the cool zone is. It's a, it's a tweet from Sean Moorhead, who's a very good tweeter. I highly recommend anyone who doesn't follow him who wants to be on Twitter. If that's your bag, go uh, follow him. But he said, uh, if you see a 30% unemployment in, in, if a country suffers 30% unemployment and massive uh, uh, lack of trust in its political institutions, it will enter what historians call the cool zone. As in, when it's fun to read about. Not so fun to actually experience, though. Because we have a thing where there is a significant crisis of actual political legitimacy in this country. And the reason that it hasn't been a problem so far is because everyone is too comfortable. And yeah, that has been the pervading nepenthe. That's the, that's the fucking opiate. That's the narcotic that has always seethed, soothed all of America's cultural and political ills. Is, is, is free refills. Free land and then free refills. Once the land ran out. But if the free fills, if you got, if you go to Chipotle and they say one soda, no refill, and you get one piece of ice, you don't get all that. You don't get as much ice as you want. I mean, of course, this is a metaphor, but I mean, that's that's when those systems come under significant pressure that they've never faced before. There it is. Here's the tweet. If unemployment exceeds 30% and distrust of the political process becomes widespread, there is a danger the United States will enter what historians call the cool zone. Yes. That's exactly where we're going to be. Because there is no unified conception of the United States. At all. MAGA people and libs live in different countries. Mentally. And, and of course geographically. And that difference has been papered over by free refills. If there's no free refills, then I don't know what happens. And neither does anybody else. And I don't think it's going to be the form of fascism or armed uprisings from the population because they don't even know how to think that way. And the ones who do are mostly faking it. But I do think you could see crisis at the level of states within the country or between the United States and other countries.
Oh boy, people keep asking me what to do. Man, if I knew, if I knew, I'd tell you. We're going to do an interview with the author of the Jakarta Method people were talking about in the comments. Uh, I think this week or early next. Uh, I read the book and it's very good. It's a very good book. I highly recommend it. He sent me a copy, which I, I read. Vincent Bevins. It's a really good book about a very under-discussed topic. The uh, 1965 Indonesian military coup and how it shaped Cold War responses to uh, colonial, uh, anti-colonialism, or decolonization, rather. I'm, I should ask him if he's related to Ninja. I do wonder about, somebody, someone's asking about John Brown, and they said, why can't more people be like John Brown? People, I mean, I don't think John Brown was a maniac. I do not think that he was insane. I think that's Dunning School propaganda. I think that he was, he was certainly a fanatic, but a fanatic for the right cause is one of the most noble people that we can conceive of, and one of the most necessary for any justice to ever occur on this fucking planet. But he was also wildly and stridently religiously pious. He was a deeply, deeply religious person in a way that they don't really make anymore. Even, I mean, all the all these fucking Christians in this country don't really believe in God. They don't have, they have completely de-spiritualized Christianity. Uh, I mean, that, that's why American Protestantism isn't, Protest, isn't Christianity at all because at a certain point it becomes an attempt, the attempt to create heaven on earth becomes literal and you have you you are now just trying to experience the pleasures of eternity on this uh on this plane it's it's pure it's it's disgusting uh but so even those people the people who call themselves very religious and go to church all the time they don't really believe they don't have like the fire of god within them certainly not enough to do a thing like go to a fucking uh, uh, armory and steal a bunch of guns and try to go to war with the entire United States government to end slavery. With a thing which, if every white person in the North who didn't want slavery had done, they might have actually accomplished it. Uh, because so few are touched with that sort of holy fire. Uh, and I mean, it doesn't have to be Christian, obviously, but there has to be some sort of belief system, some sort of transcendent belief system undergirding your convictions for it to be ever possible for your, your performance of those beliefs to have full, full force behind them, the way a guy like John Brown had. Full commitment. And, and, and maybe his commitment is scary, and it is. But it's because his faith is scary to us, because it's not something we recognize. It's not a way of seeing and feeling and thinking that we can see ourselves in. And you can say, you know, uh, no, you know, I, I, I want what's good for other people for purely, purely material reasons, whatever. And sure, you might, we all, we, we're all working towards some sort of a, a, a through a material understanding of the world, a material understanding of what makes human happiness and, and all that stuff. Uh, but if there isn't something else behind it, I just don't know how much you're will, ever going to be willing to sacrifice for that belief. Because you're doing it for yourself at the end of the day. You know, you're doing it so that you can live in a, in a world that, that, that has certain characteristics in it. And the idea of sacrificing yourself for so others could achieve it, that requires a certain perspective, I guess, that is harder and harder to come by the degree to which you are tethered to life and its and material existence as like the sum total of life. And I don't know what that means. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking out loud here, but when people talk about John Brown, that's the main difference that strikes me.
Uh, John Brown had gorilla mindset. Well, that's 100% true. And the thing is, is that somebody says, you need martyrs. I don't think that would work either. Like somebody says the guy, uh, John Brown, John Brown helped cause the Civil War. There's no question about that. Uh, I think it was Frederick Douglass who pointed out, anybody who says John Brown failed at Harper's Ferry looks to the fact that a year after the guy, after he was killed, executed, within a year of the execution of John Brown, uh, uh, or, uh, or two years, the guy who sentenced him to death in the military court was in American custody uh, and charged with treason because he'd been uh, captured on a Confederate uh, boat trying to get to England to negotiate uh, the recognition of the Confederacy, as it's called the Trent Affair. He was in American custody. He was in an American dungeon. So two years of John Brown's execution. Uh, it's hard to imagine it happening without that that crucible event and that, that sharpening of the distinction and sharpening of the stakes at, at, at play. We've had people like that now in, the, in, the, in, the, in, in this moment. There's the guy who uh, tried to uh, attack that ICE uh, uh, facility, right? They got shot. Uh, there's the guy, there have been a number of people who've set themselves on fire. Uh, a couple of Uber drivers here in New York, at least a couple here. There's a guy who set himself on fire at Prospect Park to, to protest global warming. But the thing is, is because there is nothing behind any action, there's no movement behind it, there's no, I, there's no greater understanding being represented by it that is understood by all sides. Uh, it can't have any real power. The reason that, Bar Ar that Harper's Ferry struck such a thunderbolt in the South was because of how many Northerners they knew agreed with John Brown. How many Northerners had sympathy for John Brown? There was, there was, they were the, the uh, all throughout the North, but especially in New England, uh, church bells rang in commemoration of him after he was executed. A guy who'd been, who uh, was sentenced to death for treason and who had fired on American troops. And they knew that the stakes were real and that they needed to break off from the United States as quickly as possible so that they could prevent the slow and steady usurpation of slavery by those people, which they knew was inevitable now. Whereas any action taken now is not taken be on behalf of any constituency that has any form that anyone recognizes. Well, somebody says, what would a right-wing John Brown figure look like? The closest thing to John Brown uh, in, the, the, in like the last 30 years, just in terms of being a religiously inspired terrorism, uh, homegrown in the United States, is Operation Rescue and the anti-abortion movement. The guys who killed George Tiller. Those guys think of themselves as John Brown figures. Kansas embraces John Brown largely, not because of race, but because they see it as uh, they see his actions as a as as the embryo huh, of their attempts to uh, end the Holocaust of of, uh, of abortions. I love someone says Josh Hol Josh Stoller Matt Josh Hawley and Matt Stoller will lead a National Workers Party. That. That could only make sense if you are on Twitter basically exclusively. Those guys are fucking pencil neck dorks that nobody knows. Whatever Trump, whatever form Trumpism takes, it's going to be in his shape, which means it's going to be about just pure libidinal enjoyment, not, not an ideologically coherent project, which fascism never is anyway. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be one of the clowns. It's gonna be one of the goofballs. It's not gonna be one of these fucking uh, these 
these ideological little gnomes sitting back thinking that they've squared the circle on maintaining conservative governance in a more diversified country. Tucker is to see Tucker could Tucker is the only one of the people that is brought up in this vein that seems even mildly uh, mildly possible. But honestly, the thing I think of is Tucker has the Bernie Sanders problem. If if as long as Trump's alive and not president anymore, right? Imagine this: Trump's still alive. Uh, he, if he thinks that Carlson is in any way not on his side doesn't like him, if he gets jealous of how successful Carlson is on the campaign trail, he could decide to denounce him. And if he denounces him, it's fucking cooked. If there's a battle between Tucker Carlson and Donald Trump, Tucker Carlson will lose. It doesn't matter if he's the one who's actually got the ideology and he's actually going to carry it forward. And he's got the vision to, no, 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 don't you see? I'm really going to implement this stuff. No, no, no. I'm the one, I'm the brains. You think he's going to win if Trump gets offended by that? If Trump, if Trump thinks that his campaign is implying he didn't do a good enough job making America great? All he'd do is be, he would have to, he would just have to say, I don't like him. And that's, that would be the end. Because the spectacle overrules everything. I would say uh, Don Jr. has a better chance to be the next Republican nominee than a guy like Josh fucking Hawley. And Mike Pence more than any of them. Not because Mike Pence has juice or anything, but just because for the, for the Biden effect of he was just there for eight years or four years, <laughs> whatever it is. And they just like the vibe that he brings because he reminds them of the guy they really like. Yeah, everyone's unnerved by the weird triangular shelf I have here. I don't actually know what the deal is. It is very oddly shaped. Trump, well, somebody says uh, uh, Trump doesn't have any of, or uh, uh, Pence doesn't have any of Trump's energy. Joe Biden doesn't have any of Obama's energy. It didn't matter. The only thing that would defeat that is if somebody was like more connected to Trump and more viable. So that's why I'm saying I think Don Jr. would probably beat Pence. But the funny thing is Trump might not endorse Don Jr. if he ran, which would hurt him. And you know 100% he wouldn't. I gotta say, there might not be an election uh, in November. Uh, and anyone who wants to scoff at that one, look at what just happened in Georgia. They just canceled, not postponed, they canceled a state Supreme Court race. And then the governor, Republican governor, just appointed a guy for two years. They just canceled the election, unilaterally. And I mean, what if that happened? Especially if, if I mean, by next November, you could be in the beginning of what is predicted to be a second, much worse wave of coronavirus that's going to be hitting right around then. You're going to have some states that are going to have uh, made, made preparations for that by allowing for vote by mail, like California. But a lot of states, their entire political architecture of power is dependent on voter suppression and making voting difficult. So they're not going to give that up until it's too late. 
And then you're going to have a system where you can't safely vote in half the states. They're going to have a plausible argument to just fucking say we're not having the election right now. And more important than that, I ask you, if they said that, what would stop them? Realistically, what would prevent that from happening? I've thought about this. I don't know. If the Joint Chiefs are on, on board, and like I've said, those guys are uh, absolute yes-men, just lunkheads, or enough of them are that anyone who had any problems would probably swallow their tongue. Hell, the fucking Democrats would probably sign off on it. Because to say this is what it is would break the system. And they don't want to do that. The same way Gore didn't really contest what happened in 2000. They would have to sign off on it because if they didn't sign off on it, then that would mean that the system was irrevocably broken. And they could never accept that. So even if they fucking said, even if Trump himself, the Cheeto-in-Chief, the goddamned life-sized Cheeto, the Cheeto creature, this food stuff put into a suit, orange dust covering the White House, the Orange House more like it. Even if he said, we're not having the election, because they know the only alternative to, to acquiescing is what? Filing a lawsuit? And one way or the other, suggesting to the American people that the Ameri that the fucking system of government is gone and that they no longer in a democracy, which they've ex their entire existence is to prevent people from realizing that they don't live in a democracy. Why would they change horses in midstream? The entire point of the Democratic Party is to not let people realize that American democracy is non-existent. So if they made the final move and just canceled the election... What would be in any their interests to stop doing what they've been doing the whole time? Damn. Yeah, I think that's true. I don't think anybody realizes the degree to which this is all, this could all go away. And of course, there's a lot of reasons they don't want it to, mostly related to like fucking, you know, bond rating and things like that. Uh, and, 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 how, and how far America's uh, credit can go. And, and, and the necessity of these institutions in preserving that. But if you have a bad enough, uh, uh, like, real economic crisis, they'll probably just throw the fucking bones and see what happens. So, yeah. Until the last, they would say, we are disappointed. We are disappointed that we could not figure out a way to make this election safe. We're hoping to come move forward and find a solution that is bipartisan and that ensures fair elections for everyone and that we will have a voice in the, the, our form of government, blah, blah, blah. And at that point, you can just kick that can down the road all you want. Every year, just postpone it. Every year postpone it until you look around and realize no one's even expecting it anymore. And if you had something like that, though, depending on what party it is in charge, the thing you might see, you might see some secession. Like, if Trump did that, at the national level, what I said goes. But Gavin Newsom might decide that he wants to fucking make a play for it. Maybe with the whole fucking uh, uh, West, Western seaboard. May, may, you know, that, that now, now maybe. And if Biden wins, by the way, at all, and they gets in there, or the Democrat, whoever it is, Cuomo, Hillary, I, if they don't if there is no resolution to the significant, like, structural collapse of the economy right now, you will see very quickly a, a secession movement grow up, a real one, where some fucking uh, used car salesman, a fucking hot tub dealer, uh, 
talk radio dunderpate who's conned his way into a governor's mansion from Texas to Georgia to Florida, wherever, is going to have every incentive in the world to push all social unrest and anger about the state of the economy onto the federal government, which will eventually create a movement of demanding conflict with that government if things kept, keep getting worse. And eventually they're either going to have to say, actually, no, it's not all their fault. It's actually a lot of my fault. Uh, we don't know what we're doing. Or you have to go forward and you have to go through with what they want, which would be some sort of attempt to break away from the country. Once again, as I'm saying, this is all predicated on a un, unrestrained economic collapse. And so if this doesn't happen, you don't get to be smug and say Matt was wrong. Yeah, in the sense that that, didn't, that, that level of economic uh, 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 misery didn't persist. But I don't know, at this point, what is more likely? That something's going to come in and rescue us or that we are in for a long, dark night, economically speaking? with a less and less durable uh, political order that has less and less uh, communal consent behind it. Yeah, that's the other thing that might happen is even with all that going on, they could just have the election with half the states not having any kind of functional electoral infrastructure and with a 30% turnout, at which point you've basically crossed the same sort of Rubicon of, of, of failing to observe even the forms of, uh, of the system. Huh, man, the vaccine, God. The vaccine, the, it just seems so perfect that all, that a uh, fucking, oh, tip, tip of the cap to the showrunner who came up with the idea that this season of America would end on a cliffhanger of whether or not the country would take vaccines, which, I mean, if you've seen Contagion, that's the whole thing. They have a similar world-destroying, although much higher lethality rate, uh, flu-type thing that rips through America, rips through the world, uh, disrupts everything, and then is we're all saved by uh, the vaccine. Because all the anti-vaccine crazies like Jude Law have been proven wrong with their fake uh, uh, scam drugs that they only wanted, told people to take because they had stock in the company. God, that movie really is hilariously prescient. Uh, and everyone's going to take it and be fine. Hey, yay. In this fucking country, you're telling me that you can fucking come out and say, hey, yeah, this, this disease that just showed up two years, a year ago, uh, we've now got a vaccine for it. Everyone take it now. In a country where people weren't even getting their fucking MMRs. And now we've got a drug, that, the thing that people are going to think is filled with Jeffrey Epstein's jizz. And maybe it will be. Who fucking knows? And then you'll have the amazing cognitive dissonance of Trump telling people to take a vaccine when so many of his supporters are anti-vaxxers. And he has been in the past one too. But of course, at this point, he doesn't give a shit about that. He just wants things back up and running. Yes, take the vaccine. And like I said, he's got to call it a potion or something or a tonic or, or an unguent because the word vaccine is just going to cause... They're going to freak out. I mean, maybe they'll end up taking it, but it's going to cause a deeper level of cognitive dissonance that's going to require acting out even further. So they'll take the vaccine maybe, but they're going to be even more insane by doing so. But a big chunk of them, I think, won't because I've already seen some people say, if Trump tells me to make a vaccine, I'm not taking it. I'll know they got to him. And there's going to be plenty of that, I guarantee you. If he comes out with a vaccine, there's going to be plenty of they got to him. Because those are foundational beliefs. Not everyone, of course, because a lot of them love Trump more than anything. But those are foundational beliefs. And then there are a bunch of liberal fucking anti-vaxxers. Let's not forget that. 
Lowest vaccination rates in the country, what, like Marin County, California? Trump telling them to take a fucking vaccine when they don't get their kids vaccinated? Uh, yeah, I don't think that's happening. I do love that they're already warning people that this is probably going to be a fake vaccine and that it probably won't work and it'll probably kill more people. But hey, we'll have it. And once we have it, no one has any excuse to not go to work and shop. And then you got Dershowitz out there going, the government can make you get vaccinated and shove, a, and shove needles in your arm. It's like, God damn, what are you trying to do, man? Are you trying to make people not do this thing? But yeah, this whole plot coming to a head around the question of whether we can convince enough Americans to take the fucking vaccine to get herd immunity at this point with this degree of complete paranoia and social mutual mistrust. Interesting times. A cool zone, you might call it. Highway to the cool zone. Do, do, do. Highway to the cool zone. Yeah, I gotta say, as scary as this time is, it's, it's also, man, can you imagine not having gotten to this point in the story? Can you imagine not having got to the game show host president presiding over the Black Plague part of the American story? You'd kick yourself. If you're, you're up there in the imminence, you're with all time and space communing together. And if you could just pop in for a second past where your life ended and got to this part, you'd be like, God damn. Fuck. How would I miss this shit? Like Hitchens. How do you think Hitchens feels right now? Owned. Shouldn't have fucking smoked so much, dude. Shouldn't have fucking drank that much. He might still be around to see some cool shit. I could see him being a, absolutely being a, a reopen guy. No question. He would be 100% a reopen guy. Show your manlyhood. Show your masculinity. Then he would get it and immediately die. Just absolutely die instantly. He would be the only celebrity to die of it. Sometimes I'm like, oh no, I wish Bill Hicks was still here to see this, but of course then I realize he, he is. He's still here for us all. And he is having a great time, that's for sure. Somebody is asking about Hegel and something from the phenomenology of the spirit about how the, uh, the, the grill pill notion is a, is a futile attempt to compensate for your inability to act on the world. And I would say that Hegel, that's, that's true to the extent, but that in the real situation that we face and the real attempt to negotiate a world that has so much symbolic uh, uh, spectacle to it that is so removed from our day-to-day -day lives that I would say that it's doomed to fail if it's sterilized. It's doomed to fail if it's the only thing you do. But if you use it as a practice to get you back to a place where you actually can engage with the world around you because you haven't been ensorcelled, 
You haven't been ensorcelled by the 50,000 screens you look at every day, a thing that Hegel, Hegel could never have fucking conceived of? Then I think it's something useful as a, uh, as a practice to refocus attention and energy closer to you. Cheeto Christ, stupid czar. Cheeto Christ. He's a stupid czar. Cheeto Christ. Stupid czar. He's a stupid czar guy. He's a, he's a Cheeto Christ stupid czar. God damn it. You guys reminded me that there's a Cheeto in the White House. I really did not want to hear that. Can't believe there isn't a Cheeto emote. We're going to need to work with that. We're going to need to get a Cheeto emote going in the chat. Right now all we have is the Dorito, which is not quite the same thing. Because his head is not triangular, it's kind of roundish. Oh yes, uh, Biden is calling Trump President Tweety. Very good, very good, very good. Uh, the thing is, you don't have to do that. You shouldn't do that. You should not try to own Trump. It's just the battle you can't win. You gotta come at it from a different angle. That was the whole Bernie idea. It was Bernie was gonna come at him from a different angle. He wasn't gonna have to call him President Cheeto. Uh, but now, with Biden you know, asserting a absolutely dead consensus on the left, what the fuck is the point of any of this? So you might as well just go for the rafters and just insult the shit out of them. Nancy Pelosi's starting it, but of course, of course, she had to do it in the most, the primest, most bloodless Democrat way. Instead of saying, dude, you're a fatty boom baddie. With them, wear them I want to look at them titties. Look at them titties bouncing that shirt. Look at that gunt. No, she says, he's morbidly obese. A clinical term. A term of, of a doctor would use to describe a condition that you should really, you're going to have to do something about that. Just a fridge, just a, a finger-wagging, judgmental, clinical tone. So we so love from Democrats. Instead of just calling him a big fat bitch, instead of saying, dude, look at your ass. Your ass is like two fucking mini fridges in a fucking Joseph A. Banks suit pantsuit. You wear a fu or as I have suggested, say he wears a diaper. Motherfucker, you wear a diaper. Look at them baggy ass pants. You had a diaper under there. You shit yourself. Or just say, I saw him shit himself. His face scrunched up and he went, ugh. And then I smelled it. And then he waddled out of the room. What's he going to do? Deny it? Yes, he's going to deny it all day. Instead, you got these Democrats. You got, you got Grandpa Simpson getting into the sassafras and going, ah, President Tweety Bird over here with the, with the flip florps on the trip trop. Oh, yeah, you can't get him out of the telegraph room. And then you got Nancy Pelosi just tisk tisking him. Ugh. Ugh. Someone needs to someone needs to call Trump what uh, Mickey Rourke called Trump in that one Instagram uh, post. I know he's not on that hydrochloroquine shit, but it would be so funny if he was like, if he was actually taking it. If he was that committed to the bit that he was taking it. Uh, but also very funny if he thinks he's taking it and they're giving him uh, placebo. 
I think he's just lying. I mean, that's what he does. He's like, yes, I'm taking it. It's great. I love it. I love it. Uh, but I would love it if, if it would be amazing if he was fucking just getting uh, Pez. And they didn't even take, they didn't even bother not to give it to him with, from the dispenser. He just thinks that's how it comes. He, has, he doesn't even know. He thinks he's on it. Oh, it comes. Look at that. It's Darth Vader. Look at the Darth Vader. Oh, my gosh. Put a little prescription tab on the side. He thinks it's real. It doesn't matter. If he did die, though, if he really took it and he got a heart attack from it, from his fucking just car battery filled with Velveeta-ass heart to burst, wow. That might be the funniest thing that could happen. Just purely funny, like not even LOL Hellworld funny. I mean, seriously, how funny would that be? What would the riffs be like the day that Trump just fucking his heart explodes like a bratwurst in the microwave because he gave himself uh, the fish cleaner drug? I mean, yeah, I don't know. if You couldn't top it for comedy. It would be the funniest thing ever. And yet very few people would get good jokes off about it. That's the thing, because how do you top it? Almost every joke would suck. All the memes would be dog shit. All the bits would be suck. All the podcast episodes trying to riff on it would suck because none of them would compete to, compare to the actual thing. Just the reality of the thing. Man, and could you imagine the liberals trying to like recalibrate their whole world now that he wasn't there, and having to re reapply all their hatred onto Dulles dishwater, time-serving, gray, pant pleat, Mike Pence? Oh my goodness, he is not an enemy worthy of the name. Donald Trump is the ultimate liberal nemesis. He is their Moby Dick. He represents everything that they loathe. He represents every, every uh, element of culture that they're repulsed by. Everything about this country that makes them uneasy and, and uh, contemptuous and nauseous. Trump represents all of it in one gaudy package. And they have therefore been able to invest this hatred into him that they could never even muster for George Bush. And... Because he sought to stoke it, which is one of the things. George Bush was mostly oblivious to the hatred of liberals. People around him loved it and, made, and, and, and would tee it up more, tease it up. Bush was oblivious. If anything, he was probably a little annoyed by it. He wanted to be liked. Trump, through sheer fixation, uh, is able to completely invest them with, uh, intentionally, uh, with ever-increasing amounts of rage that they directed him. And for that to just go away like that, with no judgment, no cosmic judgment, that he wasn't defeated in an election, he wasn't arrested, he didn't uh, poop his pants on pub in public and admit that uh, Putin is his daddy, just crap, died on the toilet. It'd be funny for a minute, but then the goddamn gaping hole that that would leave inside of them. What would fill that? What could possibly fill that? Mike Pence could never, ever fill it. And that same hole in the other reverse, that same positively erotic association that conservatives have with Trump, that he is stoking in them the opposite and equal delight to the liberals. To have that emotion, a relationship just snap, severed instantly, with no apotheosis, supposed to be directed onto fucking Mike Pence, it's going to cause, it would have to cause an explosion in some way. How could, how could people reconcile a life with that, such, that big a part of their emotional landscape gone? With no context, not resolved into anything else, just gone. Just imagine it. I honestly think that it could cause a national uh, nervous breakdown. 
think about that. Uh, I'll see you guys soon. I don't know. Maybe tomorrow, maybe the next. But uh, we'll have another one pretty soon. Try to do two or three a weekend at least. So uh, talk to you guys on the flippity flop.